Hello, friends, and welcome to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church, Westlake, all about the messages we hear each and every week. I'm your host, Nathan Story, and joining me again this week is the Mac to my cheese, the, the Mac to, the macaroni to my C's, Cesar Guerrero. Ah, yes. Good C's to see you, cheese. man. Good to see you, too. And for the first time, a very, very special guest. We've been, Honestly, Brent, we've been looking forward to this for weeks. We've told Aaron to shove off. We don't need him this week because we've got Brent Campbell. <laughs> there we go. He's here, ladies and gentlemen. Brent Campbell is here joining us. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, man. You guys know it. So I get to be applause. the to the, the, I don't know. I'm going to do something, though. I'll be the yeast rolls. After <laughs> on another podcast, we should talk about what different cultures eat at Thanksgiving. Oh, that would be amazing. Anyways. There's no shortage of incredibly out there and niche podcasts. So I yes. think we could get away with it. This is it, man. It'll be like a Thanksgiving need. episode. Instead of a Christmas episode, we'll do a Thanksgiving yes. episode. Well, uh, Brent, it is your first time here on Tell Us More. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? So uh, I'll, before we do that, though, I will say we're in, um, we're in a series with our church called The People of God. And Brent just preached for us this past weekend. Uh, so we're going to spend some time talking about that message. But before we do that, Brent, why don't you tell us about yourself, introduce yourself, and give us some fun facts and a little bit of background on on you and your relationship with Lake Forest and how we know you. Uh, fun facts. Uh, one, I work for full-time for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, uh, which is, uh, to those who are uninitiated, um, is a campus ministry uh, similar to BCM or Crew or Navigators, if you're familiar with this. Uh, so I uh, work full time as the um, sole campus minister uh, within with IV uh, in Sioux Charlotte. Um, I was connected with Lake Forest via Nathan's story. Yeah, that's right. That's nice. how it happened, right? So a couple of years ago. Um, that's true. Had you just become the worship leader? I can't remember. It was, but... it was pretty soon after because um, we were talking about a table talk series and we wanted to get into some um, – you know, kind of intense things that society faces. And I know, Brent, you've had a lot of uh, work around uh, racial reconciliation, and you've had a lot of personal experiences with that coming from the, the, the school you and I both attended from at UNCW. Um, yeah. So you're, you're, you came to mind in, in that, uh, in those conversations. And yeah, I guess, the, yeah. as they say, the rest is history, right? Yep. Yeah. So Brent, so. did you know uh, Nathan in college? I knew of Nathan. I knew oh. the legend yeah. of Nathan. <laughs> and there, there was one time where during a retreat, because I knew Nathan's cousin, right? Yeah, yeah. And during a retreat, I remember, this is my one memory of Nathan and his wife, they bought us sandwiches. We did. You did. Wow. I remember. Yeah, you bought us sandwiches for a retreat. It was great. Yeah, so in our, some good sandwiches. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, so we just missed each other. I think I had graduated, yeah. and then you you were a freshman the following year. Yeah. Um, and uh, InterVarsity, at least our chapter, I don't know if this is kind of a InterVarsity as a whole thing, but uh, our chapter would do had this tradition of uh, alumni coming a year or so after, um, and to the retreats and, and providing food. So Laura and I were InterVarsity alumni at UNCW. And, uh, you know, we were kind of got picked or asked to be the, the food <laughs> providers for that year. And, yeah, we, we, we bought some sandwiches. I don't even remember that particular retreat. I, that was how I knew you. That was okay. like, okay. I heard about you and you brought sandwiches. So, um, yeah, fun fact, I'm a twin. Yeah. Um, 
Fun fact, fun fact, my twin is married to a twin. Oh, I forgot about that. That's crazy. Yes, they do not yet have twins, but we're hoping for it. Well, they um, say it's they, they say it skips a generation, so I think so the odds are low. Twins, oh. they actually, so their odds, the doctor said their odds are seventy percent. Wow. wow. Okay. Uh, twins. <laughs> some sort of multiple. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. That's like and a combo yeah. multiplier on, on yeah, yeah. video games. Like yes. stacking, <laughs> stacking the uh, yeah, we're the whole team, the whole basketball team by yourself, yeah. Combo breaker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, our series, The People of God, has been uh, a walk through the book of First Peter, and Brent took us through to the kind of the next chapter of that. So, Brent, why don't you start uh, telling us a little bit about how you formed the message and, and how um, you went about preparing to share this word with us this past week and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, well, originally, um, First Peter three was broken into. When I learned I was going to be preaching on, on three, there were a few options to go. Uh, generally, it's broken into two halves of first portion, kind of being about bearing up um, under suffering with grace and responding with compassion out of suffering, almost like uh, mm. being willing. Um, I love that Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, life, turn the other cheek, don't um, hate people who are hating you type thing. First part, and then the second part uh, ends up going into, hey, these, you're going to be suffering, and here's why this isn't something um, to run away from type thing. Right? So there, there was some options, and um, honestly, it was just that in general, uh, actually, um, for people who got to see the sermon, there was a picture I put up of a, of a lake. When I was praying about it, I got that image. I did not yet understand why or what that was, but that was the one thing that came up in prayer. And then I also realized that in, uh, a lot of times when I'm speaking at Westlake, I end up talking about maybe some sort of response to persecution or suffering. Yeah. And so I was like, ah, let's go a different way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. That was, um, so after praying on that, reading, praying, reading, praying, reading, and like praying into God, what are you trying to communicate with this image that I'm seeing of this lake reflecting the sky? And, um, yeah, I, um, I felt like it just sort of came out of there. Um, okay. And was personally sort of under, getting uh, more analogies for myself about some of my understanding of how I relate to the world. And so it just all came together. Awesome. Do you normally pray for like an image or something like that, or is it kind of an image sometimes as a result of a prayer? And it's just it's, kind of- it's more it's more the latter. Um, normally, when I'm preparing a, a sermon, I'm one of those people where I'll try and prepare for three weeks, and nothing's nothing's coming. And I'm like mm-hmm. really, um, I'm like OCD when it comes to to sermons. Like I have to preach something. I feel is relevant. I can't, it's very, it's, I wouldn't say it's impossible. I can do it, but so it's not enough for me. I have like literally maybe 600 sermons in my phone. I don't like on a, in a folder uh, on my computer, my phone at any one time. I almost never use any of them because if I don't feel like they're appropriate to run that in my life, I just can't, 
preach it. So it sucks. Sermon prep for me is terrible. It's an ordeal. <laughs> it's just days and days and days of praying and feeling like, oh my gosh, that's nine hours before I have to preach. And I still don't know. I have no peace, right? So, um, well, well, Britt, yeah. what is it that, that brings you back to say yes to, to preaching then? What, what is it that kind of keeps you going in that, pro- apart from, you know, well, it's just so interesting to hear you say that, right? Because masochism is it yeah i was gonna say is it torturous it sounds somewhat torturous to do this right yeah yeah you know what what's what's brought me back is i know that it's um it it's clear to me um and it's been made clear to me over time that it's it's something of a gift Hmm. and so i feel an obligation um and i trust i don't say i get asked a lot more than i say yes um and so i trust that if i feel um, some freedom to say yes, and I just, you know, I just need to do that. Yeah. Um, so that's the first part, and then I guess the second part is, as the years have gone on, and as I've grown more content with failure, like the idea of I could get up there and bomb it. I could be really trying. People don't even know I spent two weeks stressing, agonizing over what I was going to say, and then Sunday morning comes, and I still don't know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Right? And that has happened quite a few times and I feel like I've gotten used to it and I've treated it like a spiritual discipline like mm. God is helping me learn not to care about what I look like um, mm. so thankfully I'm I have enough calluses now like this was probably the one of the probably this last year but this past week in particular uh, preparing was one of the least stressful times mm. for no other reason than I was like well well, I'll either have something or I won't, you know? Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I played that game where you're like, no, I'm just going to write out a sermon anyways. And and it just, I'm telling you, it just doesn't, I can't do it. It's like, it sounds weird, but I'm like OCD. It's just, I huh. can't, I can't preach it. So I just like, um, and so I've me- messed it up. That's the word I'll use many, many <laughs> times. And so I'm kind of used, uh, I've done it and survived. There's been times where I'm like, God, you got to give me the words to say. And literally three minutes before I'm ready to preach, I'm like, I know what I'm supposed to say. Wow. It's amazing. And then there's been times where I'm like, God, please do that thing you do. And it's just like, Brent sucked it up. So that's happened enough <laughs> times where I'm like, you know, it'll be what it will be. And that's been a really cool season to enter into. Well, what what a great sense of freedom that kind of brings that kind of, it's almost a release of control, right? Where like, it is. it's not really about me, right? As much as people in ministry and those who, who get to do what, what we do, um, you know, say with our mouths that, that it's all about God, you know, so often our flesh can take over and it, it can be more about us than we realize. And so what, but what a great place yeah. to get to. <laughs> and it felt, yeah, it's just like, now that you're there, <laughs> no, it's like, yeah. I, I was really in, in crisis a few times being like, I can't live like this. Mm. Like the stress I was experiencing um, going through it. And I felt like God was really like, I mean, it sounds weird to call it suffering, cause it, but, but it was really tempering me, like mm. finding me in fire of like, bro, you're, I mean, it really, it was about a year and a half ago. Um, when this happened uh, in a preaching engagement that I was like, at this point I was feeling like I needed to preach more often. I had asked a friend to come record me. I had like equipment set up. Like I, and wow. I 
had nothing. Yeah. And I just remember feeling like God was like, you're either going to do it this way or you're going to get a new job. Mm. Like there's no middle, for whatever reason in my own discipleship, it's just like, you're going to, you're going to get over it. <laughs> or you just got to get out of ministry. And so that was the thing when you're like, oh, what keeps you going? It was like, okay, I guess I got to figure this out. <laughs> so, but anyway, obviously it's worked out well. So. Yeah, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged myself to pursue that, um, even as listening to you speak, because I, as a, even as a musician that's been doing music publicly for a couple decades now, you know, I started in high school doing youth worship bands and stuff. And I, I for whatever reason, the last few years, I've, I've developed more and less about worship engagements, but more about other kind of performance stuff. And, and there's a kind of a similar, you know, tie through all that stuff that you're getting up and, and mm-hmm. sharing your heart with people. Right. Uh, but I, I've dealt more and more with like stage fright in the last four or five That's years than, than I have ever. I mean, as a, as a teenager, I was wow. more excited and less more comfortable, like more comfortable to get up and play terrible songs about girls <laughs> than I am now, which I feel like I'm writing better songs. And so how strange, what a strange place to get to, but I'm encouraged Brent, by hearing you say that because you clearly have such a gift for communication um, but to hear other people that are so gifted wrestle with the same things you wrestle with that that's comforting. Yeah. And so I appreciate your honesty, even, even already in the show hearing you kind of say, say this stuff, but uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into kind of more of the, the nitty gritty of the, the message itself. Is there, is there anything that you perhaps didn't get to share? Like I always, my, one of my favorite questions when we get to talk to, to preachers is, is, is wanting to know like the cutting room floor stuff. Like, was there something yeah. that, you uh, didn't share that you maybe wanted to, or even if it's a personal story or a scripture or something like that, anything come to mind that like didn't get communicated? Um, normally it's like almost always. Yes. You know, like, yeah. I mean, like you said, <laughs> cutting, especially I mean, as you guys have now learned, right. My process of preparation is a lot different from others. I don't write sermons. Yeah. Right? I don't have, I don't normally have notes either. Right. I don't. I, right. I, I, um, that's why the scripture is so important for me. Cause that's how I prepare myself. I read the scripture. I talk out, I read some more of the scripture. So I know I'm still preparing my own way, but the, the scripture becomes my reminder. Oh, at this point, I think I normally go here, but this word in the, in the uh, scripture reminds me of this. Right. And so that's really how I, so for me, there's less sometimes on the cutting room floor, which that means my sermons are longer. Yeah, this particular time, you know, there were just some stories. I was really wrestling with what is the, um, what are the right stories to share or communicate? Um, and because of ministry, it's just a gift, right? And you guys understand this, right? Like being in ministry, you get exposed to more good Jesus stories than the average person. Yeah. Um, and so there's almost a responsibility when you're trying to share the right story because you can, because maybe around maybe 20 interesting Jesus things happened that week, not even to you, just in your circle of influence that you could pull on. And you could pull the most amazing miraculous story out of those twenty, but it would be it wouldn't be the representative of what life of God is like necessarily. It would mm. just be one cool thing. And I've been trying to be more intentional about not using the super cool story 
because I think it's encouraging, but it's not always very helpful long term because yeah. it's, it's like it's just the highlight reel, right? It's just the yeah. the highs, not the not the lows. It's super yeah. extreme, right? So I had like you know one of my students felt like the Lord was telling him to give this dude some money, and he bought him a car. Is the point? I almost empty that. <laughs> Good count to do it. And his wow. parents were very upset with sure. me too. Sure. Uh, what idiot would ever advise a student to do such a thing? Um, so that was funny, but, um, you know, I had, I was like thinking of some stories like that, but no, most, most of it made it in, um, it was good. And some of it made it in, in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What was some of the moment? Yeah. What's some of the moment ones? Um, especially in the, not in the one that was recorded, but the second one, as you guys brought, if anyone who heard both, there was. Not distinctly different, but they were they were decently different. Yeah. Um, even the, the the first time talking about uh, just the way in which it how strange it might look to someone else, as you're like when I was talking about the navigating the room analogy, like if they couldn't see like how strange that would look, that was like in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the back of my head had been this idea of like, man, Jesus lived such a weird life until you understood what he was doing you know like now we had the bible we're like oh nothing was weird but if you were there you're like this is insane yeah right and none of this makes sense and so that had been rumbling around but you know just in that moment i'm like oh it's like this you know yeah that was such a good thing that like stuck stood out to me because like you said for those of you who are in the in both services you kind of will notice the difference mm. and so typically my because I, I uh, help with the production or lead the team that does the production for the live stream, you know, my head's in another space, the first service, and then second service, I'll go in and listen actually mm-hmm. to the sermon. And I remember hearing that distinct difference of this. You'd, you'd set it up as a kind of imagine there is something in the room that you're very scared of and you have to get out of the room, but the door is on the other side of that room. Yeah. Uh, and that was such a, like a, a visceral kind of visual um, I won't share what mine is because, like yours, you're, you're, you're uh, scared of, of bugs and women's tears. What you said, yeah, yeah, those are the two things you're scared of. Mine are, are pretty embarrassing too. But you, mine's that. just preaching on the fly. That that's mine. <laughs> Nathan's is having to lead worship without a guitar. Yeah, oh my gosh. It's just a that's mic. too real, bro. That is too real. <laughs> it's just a mic. <laughs> Just a mic in the middle of the room and no guitar. You know, um, yeah, you, you said a, a mindfulness or an awareness, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the kind of attitude we have to have of God, that if he's in the middle of the room, how mindful of, of him are we or aware of him? Cool. Are we in this, Does our movement in the room change knowing that, that God's right in the center? And I was just like, wow, that's such a, such a, a good visual. And then you mentioned yeah. You know, when you're scared of something, you're you're climbing on the <laughs> climbing on the couch and over the <laughs> table, floor is lava kind of thing. Right, the floor is lava. Yeah, it's so true though, and I, I I loved how you brought it home, which is kind of like God is in the center of the room. I heard another guy mention. He said uh, when the prophets talk about holiness, they kind of have an awareness of God, kind of like what you were describing. Mm, yeah. Just kind of like they know God is around, and they're hearing from Him and. Mm telling people and sometimes it's scary and all this kind of stuff yeah. this guy was putting it in 
I guess, the more modern context. He was like, it's as if the prophets are in the middle of a nuclear reactor and they have no like protective suit on and they're just freaking out like, Oh my gosh. Like it's just this terrifying place to be. Not because it's like, you know, not like that, you know, that, that raw power is just bad, you know, but it's just that it is overwhelming. Yeah. That's such a good visual image that, that helped me kind of, kind of connect those to that raw power of God. I think the other on the fly thing was the idea of when I showed the image of the lake, uh, the idea that this is what a lake is supposed to look like. That was completely impromptu, right? From the first mm-hmm. service, so then I carried it over. But um, in the moment, I'm like, oh, yeah, like this, is what, like, this is what a lake is supposed to look like. Not my, like, you know, not the, not the boardwalk lake um, <laughs> in university. Like, you know. Oh. Oh gosh. Um, and so, yeah, that that was really, um, it's one of those things I'm glad came up because for me, at least, it, it really helped me communicate like, oh, we, like this is not a weird, when we're living this way, when we're living with God in mind, like it feels to me strange and weird and costly and hard and all these different things, but like, I'm just doing what I was made to do, you know, mm-hmm. all, all the other dumb stuff I do, that's like all the, that's what heaven's surprised about. Like, geez, I weren't even made for this. I really, haven't even figured that out. You know, like, um, and that's always a good, like, that's helpful for me when I'm dealing with hard stuff. It's like this helpful reminder of, like, it's almost like, like, Britney's really afraid to have a kid, right? Like, just the pain. And, and one of the things, and I'm like, I'm having a kid, so you, yeah, you should, it seems terrifying to me, personally. But, <laughs> But I, you know, so after she's finished sharing, I'm always like, but you know, the like you were made to have a kid, mm. you were made for it, like your body is engineered. I mean, some, some biologists would say it is the single purpose of your life, mm. right? And um, it's kind of like that, mm. you know. Yeah, that's such an interesting shift. Most people will say, well, humans are they're prone to deceit or, you know, they're not perfect. Right. That's kind of like, maybe it's a gracious way of saying it, but yeah. if we saying that like, Oh, humans, we do this, right. We're, we're not perfect. We're bad people at best or, you know, whatever. If we set if the bar is set really low, basically, yeah. then that's what we expect. But that, that shift that you just mentioned the whole, like, no, you know, heaven's surprised when that happens because we are created for something else. Yeah, it is. It's that sense of it's that mystery of what does it mean for Jesus to be like that? Everything he did, he did as a human submitted to the will of God. Like it, and the mystery that it was like I don't, I don't, I mean, you know, I don't, I'm not sure anybody really understands that. We'll figure it out later. But <laughs> but there is a sense that when I don't remind myself of that. I'm a cop-out kind of guy. I love cop-outs, you know? And I'm like, well, you know, that's Jesus. You know, and I'm not him. Uh, you know, and it's just like, you know, and um, yeah, so. I love, um, I loved your image of the lake. That's such a provocative and, and powerful image. And, and especially when we're thinking about suffering, actually, because and I'm reminded of that image because as we think about suffering, as we think about, the, what the life we're created for, you know, and oftentimes when we 
when we see the tranquility of that lake, like when we see if, if use that as kind of the metaphor for what life with God mm -hmm. is supposed to be, or even life in after this world is supposed to be, you know, yeah. we appreciate the tranquility and the beauty of that more when we have suffered. Right. Because when we see, okay. when we <laughs> see that, <laughs> when we see that, like you picture that lake when there's a storm mm -hmm. or where there's clouds or anything, it's like, um, we, we talk about this a lot, I think, through, uh, through our Nehemiah series. season And Peter, we talked last week about how Peter has kind of the series we're doing now. The series we did before or earlier in the, in the fall was, was about Nehemiah. And this Peter series has been kind of a perfect companion to that coming out of that. And there's, so there's been this kind of through line for us as a church where we've just seen a lot about what the world is, is and what it should be right and and the yeah. kingdom of god and and the only way the kingdom of god of course god has the power to make it happen if you're a christian you believe that right but but he has empowered us to be the kingdom of god on earth you know yeah. so for us to to be encouraged almost be encouraged by suffering because what it gets us to is this kind of refi refining and everything you know, I, it's a, it, it can be kind of a motivating thing, right? Suffering, mm. we, we dwell on suffering. We, we, we pine, we, we kind of, we have, we can have this woe is me attitude about it. Right. But, but ultimately if we use, if we look at it as kind of almost a good thing to, to use that strange way to describe it, like what it does is it pushes us towards and allows us again to appreciate the life we were actually made for the life we're supposed to be striving and working towards. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and you kind of touched up on that, uh, Brent, by mentioning the whole point of Peter saying this is there's good works to be done. You know, it's a time to waste almost, like God is in the room. Yeah. It's time to work. So how does that, you know, how does that um, translate for those of us who it feels like well, there's a lot of other work to be done that you know, isn't necessarily m very informed by a, a God is in the room worldview. Um, how do we get to that? Do we just remove, do we replace God? Do we put God in that place? Or are there other things that God's trying to, to move us into when it comes to other things that we, we are scared of? Yeah. I I think I get the shape of you of um, of the question, and I'm a big fan of of like remembering like context, um, and I think about like the people that Peter's talking to. They're living in a world without a world is harder. At least us three, not everyone who lives in America, or even everyone who's listening right now, but like. I could say for sure for me, my life is easier because I have so many options. Right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm living in a world where the variety of choice is so overwhelming for me half the time. I, it's, half the time, I'm not wondering if I can eat. It's like, what am I going to eat? I have so many options. Mm -hmm. right? And the context of the, of the people that Peter's talking to are people with very, very few options. And I think there is a there's a divine gift in that, though I'm not sure if I'd want it. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like it's, a, it's a true thing, despite the fact that it's not an easy thing. And that I think when they're hearing Peter's words, 
they're probably not necessarily thinking about some of the things that we're thinking of like oh in a world with so much choice um you know how do i how do i live that sort of life and how do i put god at the center i think they're in a world of like this it's it's the encouragement is you're going through this no matter what you might as well <laughs> you guys are already suffering daily you might as well mm. um, you know, go this way, right? Do it in this way. And I think mm. so that's different. Almost so a, that, a what have you got to lose kind of attitude, right? Yeah, right. yeah it's, it's like, you're going to be there. And I, I have a really right. good friend. She's actually, um, she's a Lake Forest partner. So never mind, I'm not going to share her story. Anymore. But she reminds me of that all the time. She has mm. a story of the Lord meeting her in the middle of deep suffering. And I'm always struck by what she feels the Lord said to her, which was, this is gonna essentially this is gonna suck and you're gonna go through it no matter what yeah you can either go through it with me or you can go through it on your own and it sounds really sort of unloving or i mean but you know how god's god knows how to speak to us but for her Mm -hmm. that was the beginning of a rededication to faith right in the middle of her deepest suffering like being like you know what he's right i can do it with him i can do it alone and i I think that's a big part of that. And, and I say all that to say that for us, like when I think about me, I think it's appropriate for us to start in the smallest uh, manageable way that we can. Like the, if, if we're acknowledging that, man, like I'm not living life that way. I don't even know where to get started for that to be a reality for me. Well, it's like, well, you start at the easiest, smallest thing. And then the, the trick becomes ignoring the enemy who's like, that's not good enough. You mm. know, it's just like, that's, you're never going to get anywhere. Mm. And the analogy I'm always using with my students, when they're whatever, trying to quit their porn addiction, when they're trying to uh, figure out how to spend more time with the Lord, when they're whatever their thing is, right, that they're trying to accomplish, you know, and I'm like, and I'm telling them to start with the smallest, smallest thing. They're like, yeah, but it doesn't feel like enough or they mm. they make some grand pronouncement and they were faithful for two days and then they get really guilty and then they run away for a week and then they come back and they read 19 chapters in a day and then they mm-hmm. get burnt out you know what i'm saying that whole we've all done that yeah. dance and it's like okay if faith is a seed and you, you plant it in, in the ground then what do you think is going to produce more fruit if you were like gardening or something one one day you water it with 10 gallons of water and you'd never water it again for like four weeks. And then you water it again with like 10 gallons of water. Or you water it a bit each day. What's going to produce the fruit? And I'm like, well, of course, like mm-hmm. you do it each day. And I'm like, okay, so do that. Like you've already done the 10 gallon approach. You've already done, you know what? I got convicted. I'm selling my house. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, maybe, maybe that's a lot. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe you're just guilty and that's not yeah. going to, you know, that's not going to solve the real issue. Um, and so my encouragement, because it's the encouragement to myself, is to start day by day with the smallest thing you can be faithful over and celebrate over that thing like i i so for me it sounds dumb but this is how small it is i overwork as a way to prove that i'm worth loving to the lord i'm constantly worried he's displeased so for me it's naps naps are the most frivolous useless thing i can imagine doing at any point in time but other people they're like a nap how could a nap be a risk it's not a risk to you (laughs) 
that's the word. We're getting rid of this down either way, but hey, we can turn them to many naps, you know, but that's not my issue, right? And so I'll take a nap, and then as I'm feeling guilt that I know I'm going to feel, look at you, you had so many things, and how many things fell to the ground while you were wasting your time, and you don't even deserve a nap. You're not even doing the, you know, the whole thing. It's just yap, 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 yap. Then I'm like, I'm going to celebrate. I need an ice cream tonight. I'm going to stop work early. Even oh, this is hard for me. I'm going to stop working out early because I was faithful to the Lord, which now feels like double. You know, it feels like I'm not even hearing the Lord. I'm just sinning. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and that's the stuff that matters the most, right? And it leads to, it leads to that life, right? If I can't be faithful over God telling me to take a nap, how can I be faithful over him? Telling me, you know, hey, I want you to suffer in this really visceral way for someone, you know? Uh, and yeah. that's, that's honestly how I think about it. Yeah. Naps and ice cream for Jesus. I'm yeah. telling you. That's what I'm hearing. I had this realization a long time ago, and I was, it's one time I was like feeling guilt about uh, actually not playing guitar enough. Because it's this thing that happens with our giftings where it's like mm. you realize you're not using your gifting. It's kind of what you were talking a little bit earlier about uh, preaching, Brent, is that like, I'm not using it enough. Or I'm not spending mm-hmm. enough time sharpening my skills, whatever it is. So at one point I, I had this kind of metaphor and I, I think it's no accident that in scripture and even in where Jesus talks, you know, he, he uses plant metaphors all the time because there's so much to learn from the natural world uh, yeah. and, and growing actually. But if you, I love the images of trees that are kind of like cross sections. Cause when you see a tree, mm. if you look down underground, you can see that the root system is almost nearly identical in size to the 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 public eye right oh, what you're seeing on the outside road, bro. dude i know this is so good uh <laughs> i'm not just saying that because i came up with it but it's like oh, it's so it if you know that there's a mirror image there of what is seen mm. and what is not seen and i think yeah. that is, applies to our, our spiritual life and and the growth metaphor works in that it's a slow steady process right so if you're if you're not getting the fruit that you want well then look at what is happening in in the private part of your life. If you don't want to, if you're not getting the public results, then look at what is happening in in your private life. If you're not spending this time growing and learning, then you're not going to see the fruit on the top side. All right. You know? And so I think that's, that's a powerful thing to think about for us um, in our spirit, in our our faith walks too. I got to plug my computer in. We're going to, oh, oh, well, and I know we're running up on our time here, but that analogy is coming to an university chapter near you. I'm, I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And okay. so I'll set yeah. my sources too. No worries. Oh, no. Um, it's just fine. have a, please just have Nathan preach it. Oh, man. Just invite Nathan to guest speak. He has to I'll conquer come, his fear. And I know. It's about time. Right? Right? <laughs> it's about, I've been on staff how long and never spoken. Yeah, I could. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well uh so brent share with us uh kind of the the nutshell version of of your message we always like to leave kind of the one takeaway or the the thing that you really want people to remember about your time with us at westlake this weekend what can you sum it up for us is it is it hard to do or Uh, try if you can i i I think i can I, i would summarize the uh the takeaway of the message being the idea that if I'm trying to connect it in my head first, so I see if this actually makes sense. But the, the idea that if what God is asking of me, whatever that is, right? If it, when God's saying to me, 
or, and when I say saying to me, I'm, I'm saying it confidently right now, but that's just because I don't have enough time to, you know, tell you how unconfident I am about that, right? Like, so when I feel as if God is communicating to me, hey, you need to take a nap, you have some insecurities you will not let go of, and this is the starting place, you know? And so whether that, that's even the Lord, right? Answer that part. But when God is uh, telling us, he's um, asking us to do something, that he's asking us to do it because that thing is going to produce, um, it, it is going to help us become who we want to be, mm. like not just who he wants us to be, right? That, I mean, we, we can only, we figure that out pretty quickly, right? Uh, the idea that God's God and he's like trying to prove that he's God, you know, yep. Yep. Um, that's easy to hold on to, even if it's kind of inaccurate, right? But the idea that when God is saying to me, hey, I, I want you to be patient in suffering, I, I want you to respond this way, I, I want you to be eager to do good, or all these different things that, He's not doing that primarily because he's trying to throw his God weight around and prove to you that he's God because right. he knows he's God. And you will one day too. This is a matter of time. We're all going to figure that out. It's instead that he's like, I know what you're looking for. I know what makes you happy. I know what makes you fulfilled, satisfied. I know it. You don't know it, but I know it. Right? Just like you know the same thing for your son. You're like, oh, he says, you know, he's crying in some way that he wants something. You're like, you're just tired. I already know that. You yeah. didn't go to sleep. You don't want to go to sleep. But I know <laughs> yeah. that that's what you're wanting, right? And that would be the thing I would hold on to, that God is trying to help us get what we want, that when we're living in obedience to him in right relationship, it isn't just we have been conquered, right? Mm -hmm. It's that we've been set free. Like, oh, I didn't even know I loved this. I didn't even know I would have so much joy on the other side of it. I didn't even know that this little thing was going to fix this big issue I've been praying about for five years. Mm -hmm. um, and and to me, that would be the, the takeaway, to trust to like, in whatever ways that we can, hold on to that and to trust that and say, okay, God, you're not only accomplishing your purposes, but you are helping me live the life I want to live. Mm. Even if I don't realize it, it's a like I, I don't yeah. I won't realize it till it's over. You know, it's like oh, I don't like working out, but you do like being in shape. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like you know, and, and we can do that with a thousand different things in our lives. So, mm -hmm. um, I wanted that to be uh, the encouragement. Hold on to that's the thing. Fear will only motivate us so far. It's pretty good. Yeah, it'll motivate, but it doesn't get us very far. But love will cause us to do things. Joy will cause us to do things we never could. For the joy of the set, that was set before him, he endured the cross, right? It wasn't right, right. because he was afraid that God would be displeased he endured the cross. You know, it's just not what happened. So, um, yeah. Well, great. Well, Brent, it, it, it was and is always encouraging to hear from you. Uh, thank you so much for giving your time and your words to us at Westlake this week yeah. uh, 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 at the service and on the show. Um, and C's, thanks for joining me too, man. It's good to see you. Yeah, no problem. the Mac and C's. Yeah, the Mac and C's. <laughs> and what, what did you say you were, Brent? The the the, the, the rolls. I'm the roll, roll, man. The whole yeah, I'm sweet the roll. Yeah, bro. Look for our Thanksgiving podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, friends, that is all the time we have for this week's episode of Tell Us More. Again, I want to thank Brent Campbell for joining us and Cesar Guerrero. Uh, for being part of the conversation as well. Friends, join us again next time when we ask those ministering to us to tell us more. 
goodbye.